Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to rock? Batista with the catch! And Andy Pettit is a starting pitcher! I don't think he's pleased. Raymond Green looks like Duncan from Shrek. Right now we're preparing for Cincinnati. We're going to drink a lot of beer tonight. Hey, I'm just here so I won't get by. I know words. I had the best words. Am I being punked or something? Or... It's time for... Fanatic Radio. In a very super mood today because your boy has the day off. Not just today, but tomorrow. So this is his first four-day weekend since Christmas break, and we have stories. Ooh. Hell, I apologize to the, to the faithful, mainly to Flo. Uh, we're starting about an hour. We're starting about an hour late. I'm not gonna lie. I completely lost track of time because I have been steadily drinking since about four o'clock this afternoon. As mentioned earlier, is my is a, my glorious day off. Shout out to uh, comp days, working events. As I will get to that in a bit. This past weekend, we had a Walking Stone International at opening weekend. Very successful. Your boy got a nice little tan, vicariously of a sunburn. Uh, <laughs> and everyone is chomping at the bit, wanting to know my physical state of being, mainly my health, um, which I, I, I guess we, we start off with that. Because the fan, I think the fans want to know. Yeah, and there's sports, you know, there's, there's baseball, there's Close boy Aaron Rodgers taking shots at Bleacher Report. Game of Thrones is back on for the final season. Yeah, LeBron didn't make the playoffs. NBA NBA playoffs starts this uh, this weekend as NHL. <laughs> I will get the stories because we'll get those out of the way. Okay, so where I left off last where I left off last week. As as, as fans know, it's done a lot better. Thank you for all the uh, the hundreds of love letters. I came flooding into our mailbox making sure I was okay. I was, it was, I think it was because I caught whatever that girl had, and then it it, it was bad. It, I'm not going to lie, it was bad. I was running the gauntlet from Monday till about, I saw I was, I was on day four. And then last week when we did the show, I had just started the Mucinex. And so by by starting the Mucinex, I was like, okay, because I, I had to do something. I remember I woke up at like 6 in the morning, wide awake, ready to start the day. Normally, it's, I usually do that about an hour and a half later. But I was like, you know, I got to go to Walmart. I got to get something that will make me go straight. Otherwise, it's going to be such a disaster. Because my biggest concern is I didn't want to go to urgent care. I didn't want to take time off. <laughs> Because if, uh, if I did that, then I, I, I have a certain I have a certain blood relative getting married, tying the knot this year that I got to save all my vacation days for. So I was like, you know what? I'm not I'm not that concerned because with with the only concern I have is with sinus problems. It immediately goes. Sometimes it drains and goes to my throat, and then I get strep. As I mentioned last week, is my gardener's Achilles heel, which is no good. Yes, I'm bueno. So, I had to make sure that whatever sinus thing I had, nip it in the bud, get rid of it. That way, I could. I do not have to run the risk of getting strep. 
are getting a sore throat. So shout out to Mucinex, uh, unofficial sponsor of Fnatic Radio, but I got the sinus version of it. So that was great in its own right. Um, and so when I was live tweeting, yeah, I was in, I was in such, I don't even know what day it was. I guess, I guess that was Thursday or Friday. I was in such a daze because I had just gotten off the Mucinex, and I just weeded myself back onto the Dayquil because I thought, okay, now that I've just now that I've completely destroyed the sinus nonsense in my body, I immediately thought, okay, we're gonna we're gonna salvage this and we're gonna win by nipping it in the bud and finishing up whatever was because by, by that time I think by about Wednesday Friday, Thursday Friday I didn't have sinus now now it was more just getting rid of any headaches or any like soreness in the throat or any of the garbage I thought okay cool basically basically I was mixing drugs mixing drugs along with Jim Beam <laughs> so I was feeling good on I think that was Thursday, Thursday or Friday, whatever that day was. I think it was Friday. I was feeling good. I was mixing. I was basically mixing. No, I was. It was Thursday. It was Thursday day because I had Cindy's going away party that night. Yeah, so I was feeling. I was feeling good. I was probably. I was pretty. Pretty high. I was pretty whoopy and high that like first sort of five hours that that day. Um, and so that that finally wore off. I went to the going away party. It was great. Shout out to the to the uh, the amazing inevitable Sydney Lewis Black, which I do definitely will have uh, a, a thumbs up, thumbs down for her later in the show for obvious reasons. Well, I'll get to it. Was great. It's sad to see her go, but she's on to better things. Um, and I survived. And then Friday was my test party. The boy was drunk, which is fantastic. He survived. I, and then by Saturday, Sunday, the only downside was I was I was hacking up phlegm. And that's a shout-out to Mucinex because that's what it did. Anything that may have gone down my throat one night, I just yacked it up and made it through the weekend. Ooh. And now I'm healthy. The only downside is being sick for about a week, um, I hadn't drank anything in, in probably about a week and a half. And my tolerance is immediately just shot. So I am slowly building that back up to the immortal tank that I was before I was uh, sick. Because, yeah, I I had uh, I think only like four or five beers at, on Thursday. Same on Friday. And, man, I was, I was feeling it. I'm thinking, this is not me. I don't know what's going on. So... Yeah, I gotta I gotta build up my tolerance because I got white girl wasted on Friday, which we love on this show. Um, not when we do it, but <laughs> yeah, health wise, I'm good. Um, and 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 fun things in store this weekend, which I'll get to later in the show. Well, how was your week? Hopefully, hopefully better than mine. Yeah, fortunately, I am healthy, or at least not sick. I shouldn't. So, unfortunately, I haven't had to deal with uh, 
all that. I am in the midst. I just concluded day two of a 10-day work week because mm. next weekend I asked off because of my sister's birthday on the uh, upcoming Sunday on uh, April 20th. Yes. And I also did not realize that was also Easter weekend. And that shows how good of a Catholic yeah. I am. So <laughs> then they asked me, "Can you do you mind working the pickup comp days or paid time off and work the, my normal weekend, which is Monday, Tuesday?" I said yes, which I should not have done because now I just realized this trend is going to be awful. Especially because on <laughs> we have a couple shifts that come in at four o'clock in the morning. Actually, probably earlier sometimes. And one of them, mm. I am doing both this upcoming Monday and Tuesday a.k.a. Day, day six and seven of my work week. So that's just going to be awful. So <laughs> I don't know how that's going to go. I'm not looking forward to it. At least I, I will have a long weekend, a four-day weekend, and then only a three-day week because I used uh, time off for the following weekend. So I guess I can't complain, but I just haven't done a 10-day right. work week before. I've got through two of the days, and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Yeah, there's a girl at work with. She apparently is not. She's full time, but but isn't. It's weird. She was like, she was just going off ten day a ten day work week. So we love we love we love the Americanization of overworking their workforce. Well, Europe just gets random days off. So that's fantastic. No, uh, we got that fourth uh, elephant in the room. Final four. We. I, I want to congratulate this show for successfully predicting the, the finals and eventual champions. That's right. Um, <laughs> I said I would love it if Virginia and Texas Tech played each other because it would be the greatest defensive battle of all time, and it was for about a few minutes. And then it completely just went kamikaze in the second half. But UVA wins in a very exciting game. Now, we talked about Duke this whole time. Being the team that was on borrowed time by virtue of wins against UCF, uh, Virginia Tech, and uh, ultimately losing to um, Michigan State, but UVA, mm. it, they go they go from losing in the first round to one of the great to one of the greatest upsets in college basketball, one of the greatest upsets in sports, and now all of a sudden they they have this amazing unconditionally quiet run, anything from being down at halftime to the 16th seed, probably should have lost to Purdue, should have lost to Auburn, should have lost to Texas Tech, and yet they win. Were they the best team in college basketball this year? And then is it just is – is this the greatest turnaround in sports history? Or at least Not only it's, – it's definitely one of them to go from being the number one overall seed – and then losing in the fashion they did to UMBC, uh, which, again, don't know how that happened. Uh, I mean, it was completely out of control, as we know. And then not only that, they had probably the – certainly in terms of luck and good fortune, one of the mm. best runs – probably the best run of luck, good or bad, but, like, good luck. In this tournament, I mean, think about the Purdue game. Think about mm. uh, the Final Four game. 
think about, you know, you can go on and on, like, all these breaks along the way. And that is not to say that, because, you know, you get some people out of, like, oh, UAV, UVA got all the favorable calls, and this was all rigged and set up. Like, I don't buy that. Were there bad calls? Yeah, sure. There always are, and that's fine. But, because that's just what, you know, college refereeing, college basketball refereeing is, is atrocious, and we all know it. And mm. replay is all over the place, and we know it. But just an unbelievable turnaround. You would have thought, especially, you know, trailing at halftime to the 16-seeded uh, Gardner-Webb, you would have thought that, you know, oh, God, because everyone's like, oh, here it comes again. And then they roar back, as a lot of people thought. Uh, frankly, because can that really happen again? And two years in a row, and then there's the kind of run that they've had, it was just spectacular. And just to give a ton of credit to Tony Bennett, and then he got and, and Guy and Rome and their whole squad, which is really fun to watch. Yeah, shout out to um, they were they were probably the most complete team this year. I say apart from Gonzaga, who unfortunately lost a, a very good Texas Tech. Um, I'm just looking at their schedule because I was gonna say I watched them a few times this year. Now I watched them lose twice to Duke, which at that point I thought Duke was the best team in college basketball. But little did I know, the only times I watched UVA. They put a. I watched them put an absolute beat. Actually, yes, they lost three times this year, two to to the Duke Blue Devils, and then one of them was in the ACC tournament to Florida State, and that was just because Florida State was playing out of their minds. And again, what I thought was going to be Virginia's Achilles heel was they faced an athletic team that just went way over their heads. Auburn showed that. Um, other than that, though, you look at their season. And they beat Wisconsin. They won the Battle of Atlantis. They beat Wisconsin. They beat Maryland. They beat Florida State, who was then number nine. They beat then number nine Virginia Tech, eighty-one to fifty-nine. It's just like they went into Chapel Hill, beat North Carolina. I should have seen. My thing is, I should have seen writings on the wall. Um, but they were the best. I say other than Gonzaga. Because I, you know, the more I saw Duke, the less I had faith in them. UVA was definitely the best team in college basketball. Texas Tech, shout out to them, shout out to Chris Beard, pay that man. Um, Tech ain't gonna be good for a few years though, because they're gonna lose a lot of their talent. Jared Culver is going to the NBA, as he rightfully should, because he is a very good player. But shout out to DeAndre Hunter of UVA, Ty Jerome as well. I didn't realize this is Virginia's first national championship. I can't believe the teams with Ralph Sampson never won. You know, the Jeff Jones teams never won. Um, <laughs> yeah. They were a good team, though. And that's the thing is, when I make when I make these fans, you're choosing your brackets. When I make these bull predictions in, like, in like January, February, I'm just going to write these down. Because I said in January, Texas Tech would make the Final Four. I said Virginia was one of the best four teams in basketball. And because I, I think I originally had like UVA, Duke, Gonzaga, and then whoever that, and then whoever the like wild card team was. So, and then Tech, that would actually have been a legitimate Final Four, which I could have won money on. But um, what's great is it's the third year in a row that a team with majority seniors and guys and no one and duns wins the national championship. 
So that's your goal. One of them's never do anything great. Uh, we hate them for that. But yeah, UVA wins. Great. Because that's another thing with all those moments they had. You can pinpoint every single one of them and be like, you know, Keontae, what is his name? Deontay or whatever. Deontay, jumper at the plaza, forcing overtime against Purdue. Kyle Guy, three. And then great defense by Auburn. Fouling on the last play of the game. Three free throws to not only just ice the game, win the game. DeAndre Hunter, three in the corner, 12 seconds left to force overtime. Um, that's why we love March Madness, and um, the one and and, and the and in a few years the one and dones will be dead, and it'll make me happy because we see no benefit. Huh. Uh, <laughs> so college basketball is in the books. Another thing in the books as well is the NBA regular season. We said goodbye to two of my favorite players of all time, Dirk Nowitzki and Dwayne Wade. Both played their final games of their career. And both of them, at least the last home games, D-Wade dropped the triple-double in Barclays in Brooklyn. Dirk in his last game in Dallas. Of course, has like 30, 11, whatever. Uh, we're getting old flow because our heroes are slowly retiring. But at least it's Dwayne Wade and Dirk. Even though they play for garbage teams, what will you remember most by both those players? Well, I think, you know, you talk about Dirk Nowitzki, and what I remember most about him is, well, first off, he's one of those guys to where you are so happy, and I'm sure you literally are so happy that he spent his entire career with Dallas, his entire NBA career. He didn't go play anywhere else. You can't say that about D. Wade. Uh, He played exclusively for the Mavericks, and when they went to the two NBA Finals, and when they won the uh, the title, you know, he won an MVP, and then we know how that season ended up. But for me, really, so much, I, I think when you look at the 2011 NBA Finals, when Dallas won, so many people look at that as, oh, well, that was the first year of the big three in Miami, and it fell apart. And But I, I think people, like, misunderestimate and forget how brilliant Dirk played and carrying that team, a team that that was kind of before we had the star system in the NBA. It was, Dirk was the star, and he had some terrific players around him. But that was a, just a virtuoso performance by the great Dirk Nowitzki. And I think all you know when you look at him all the time, that's good. That's absolutely part of his legacy. Uh, and especially what taking out that team that was such a heavy favorite. Yeah. What about Dwayne Wade? Dwayne Wade, uh, you know, I really think, you know, uh, I heard a lot, you know, I was listening to uh, Bill Simms' podcast with uh, Stu Gotts, who we love. And, yes. you know, they both talked about perhaps Wade's greatest accomplishment was getting LeBron James and Bosh, who really LeBron James, the best NBA player in the world, to come to his team and his town and mm. join him and to join that, build that big three. But really, I remember D. Wade, you know, it's funny, you got the, it's the flip side of Dirk. Dwayne Wade, when you look at that 2006 NBA Finals, Dwayne Wade carried that team. Shaq was on the team, obviously, and Shaq was so great, but he was banged up in the playoffs, and... He he really wasn't your go-to guy, and beyond that, there were some key guys on the team 
But really, it was Dwayne Wade's show. And it was only Dwayne Wade's mm. third uh, third season in the league. Um, That's right. And he, you know, he carried that team to the NBA Finals. And he won. Yes, again, he had Shaq. And he had a good team around him. But And Pat Riley was coaching. But mm. still, I mean, and that was just a spectacular performance that happens. Is that crazy? That happened 13 years ago. And I know. that's really what I remember, because I remember that finals, and it was just such a brilliant performance. And then you had all the other stuff. They brought LeBron in, and then it was still kind of Dwayne Wade's team, but then Wade kind of took that 1A role and really embraced it, which I think deserves a lot of credit for. But that first finals, man, got to love it. I think what's just great about both those players is, with the exception of D Wade going to Chicago for that disastrous season, they both stay loyal to their team, mm-hmm. which is which is something that you don't that you don't see nowadays, um, which we hate because we still because we do love loyalty. D Wade is Wade, Wade County. We can't man is the king of Miami. Dirk played twenty one mm. years in Dallas. You know, he's Dirk Nowitzki played as long in the city of Dallas as I have almost been alive, which is amazing to think of. But it's also <laughs> extraordinarily amazing to think of because the amount, for both of them, the amount of clowns and teammates that they've had. That's it's like that's dedication. It's not like Vince Carter where he's. He's had to bounce around from team to team just to keep his career going, to keep a steady paycheck. Because he's a hack. But I will, I will get to Dirk last because that is, lo and behold, by my city. But um, Dwayne Wade, I think, I actually was watching the other day, you know, when he's getting ready to play his last game in Miami, watching those great – I was watching the, the great highlights of the game he scored 29, I think it was like 11 and 10. 11, 29, 11, 11, 4 against the, uh, the one seed of Kentucky Wildcats in the 2003 Elite Eight, which I encourage fans to watch. Uh, even, though we, even though I hate him with a passion, Kevin Garnett, and his stupid <laughs> little Area 21 show that they just pitifully gave him because Turner just you know, he kept him around. He did a great piece with him, a sit-down interview with him and Dwayne Wade uh, about his career, about his growing up. Boy from Chicago. I didn't realize that Dwayne Wade was a junior when he, when he declared to the draft. And he only did that because he was ineligible to play his freshman year. And that's the only reason why Marquette recruited him. So you learn all these cool things. And he was saying, you know, the NCAA tournament was his – because, he, because back, in the, back in the day Marquette was in Conference USA – Tom Crean was the coach. You know, there was there was it was just kind of the mediocre team and a mediocre conference. And then D Wade took the three C Marquette, dominated a um, a pretty awful Kentucky team. Keith Bogans, he's the only NBA player I recognize. Tubby was the coach. But yeah, he had this. You know, we watched D Wade college highlights. You think, yeah, this kid is he's got something special. And that's, that's the first time I saw Dwayne Wade. Because I think around 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003 was when I started getting invested in college basketball. 
with a great Final Four featuring Carmelo and Kurt Heinrich and Dwayne Wade and that random Texas team that ran it and made it. Uh, then he gets to the NBA, and then he was always the guy. He was always the great all-star that got hurt. And that's what I remember Dwayne Wade for. But the guy, he always battled through God knows what injuries he played. Saw him live several times in Miami and in Dallas, so that was great. Um, but he's D-Wade. I think that's what I remember him most. And it was great. those great T-Mobile commercials with Charles Barkley uh, for the Fave Five. Because we, we love we love we love the Fave Five. Now, Dirk, uh, let me try, ah. try to do this with, without tearing up. I'm just kidding. There are heroes. So there are heroes that, kids, that people have in their lives. And there are heroes that are tied to their city. You know, I'd say Jeter for New York. Uh, Magic Johnson for L- Kobe, Magic Johnson, Kobe for LA, Tim Duncan for San Antonio. I don't know, whoever. Dirk Nowitzki is other than I say other than Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, Roger Staubach, other than the Cowboys players, Dirk Nowitzki has to be without a doubt the greatest hero that Dallas has ever produced. In a weird sense, because the guy is from Germany, everything about his sort of lore and mystique is why we loved him so much. He was this lanky-ass kid from Germany. You know, that was back when the Nelsons were just throwing shit at the wall and hope it stuck. <laughs> they, they took a chance on a rando from Europe and then a kid from Canada who went to Santa Clara. So it's Steve Nash. And it's just like, that's when they're like, Don Nelson is a, is, is insane. And then he ended up being, and I will say this, hand over heart, fight me if you see me on the street. He is the greatest international player ever to play the game. Now, there are Mount Rushmore, so probably him, uh, Vita Sabonis, Yao Ming, and then some fourth person. But in terms of success, MVPs, championships, he is the greatest international import the NBA has ever had. And probably will for a very long time. Because he was that first, he was the big man that could shoot threes. He could post up. He could dunk. He had signature fadeaway that everyone copies now. You have Kobe with the turnaround jumper. And then you got Dirk with the one leg fadeaway. Because he was, he's that much of a freak athlete. Then he had, then he had, then he had um, oh, what the hell is his name? Hogart or whatever. He's like trainer. Doing like frog jumps in the gym and and like I don't even know what the hell he did. Great documentary on that. Great documentary about Dirk. It's it's just amazing. Um, but the funny thing about it was he was never keen to leave. I think because he never had an ego about him where it was like a LeBron where it's like yeah I even though I lost in the playoffs I'm gonna leave and try to better myself. I think because he had that such that great connection to the Nelsons and Mark Cuban. He never really had any minor, you know, rhyme or reason to leave. I'm actually surprised he won the MVP. Uh, then again, that Dallas team did, I think it was like 67 games or something like that, even though they lost to the Warriors. But I, there, there are three great moments I will have with Dirk as a, as a, as a fellow Dallasite. The first one is game, I think it was game two of the NBA Finals. When Dallas was down by 15 with something five minutes left, four minutes left, and there's the great Bosch is on Dirk, top of the key, 
Two dribbles to the left, hesitation and layup with two seconds to go. Dallas wins, ties the series, takes it back to D-Town, but they end up winning the series in six. Uh, he did it with a broken hand, by the way. I didn't realize that till later. But, yeah, he had a hurt finger, and Dallas won. Greatest comeback in NBA Finals history, by the way. Um, number two was probably the last game I ever saw him play, which surprisingly was not this winter when I went to go see them, when I had to go see Dallas play over Christmas break. The last time I ever saw Dirk Nowitzki play, it had to be against like Oklahoma City. Maybe when Durant first got to the the Warriors, because I don't think Durant was with it. Or maybe Kevin Durant was hurt the year before he left. And he dropped, and he scored like 14 and I was like, and that's when I was like, we love Dirk, just because he's an absolute clown. Uh, which leads to my all-time. Uh, actually, no, I have two more. Second, second all-time favorite moment was when he killed a bug. I posted this on Twitter. He smashed a bug on the press conference table after the uh, game two or three victory in the 2006 NBA Finals. Great YouTube moment. And probably the number one moment was again the story of Dirk's career when he was hurt. Fox Sports Southwest got him doing, like, a special broadcast, gave him a mic, and the great alley-oop from uh, Jason Kidd to oh, Tyson Chandler, which, which ultimately, I'm going to pull this up, I'm going to pull this up on, uh, on yeah. YouTube, because the, fan, the fans, the fans got to listen to it. Yeah, so this was, 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 was en route to the NBA, uh, I think it was the year before the finals run, because when they had Tyson Chandler, Jason Kidd was with the Mavericks, we we absolutely love it. So if we can find it, it's fantastic. He just yells on the mic and utters the phrase "Take that with you." Yeah, that that brings me back. That's like a decade ago. That was a kid who came back to the Mavericks. Tyson Chandler. That was a great team. The Jet came off the bench. Um, Carlisle was the coach, who amazingly is still the coach. Uh, who else is on that? Corey Brewer was was in the mix. Deshaun Stevenson. Well, I don't think he's in the NBA anymore. Paige Stoyakovic came off the bench, got his only ring of his career. I think out of that team, now with Dirk Nowitzki retiring, I think Tyson Chandler is the only – and well, Devin Harris, but he still amazingly plays the Mavericks. And I don't know if Jason – I think Jason Terry retired. But I think Tyson Chandler is the only player on that team that still plays in the NBA, which is amazing to think about how he is still fit to play. But, um, but yeah, Jason Kidd went off to become an awful head coach. Dirk's retired. Corey Brewer, God knows what happened to him. Paige is retired. Um, yeah, that, that Mavericks 2011 championship team. Went to go see the parade. Dirk with the trophy. It was. I'm gonna miss them because it's Dallas. Now I'm just excited. I'm excited because of Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis, but it won't be the same. There are no veterans on that Mavericks team anymore, and uh, I will. But I will miss. I will miss Dernovski and just how dynamic, at least in his prime, when they when they needed a shot, he got it. And it's amazing looking at Don Nelson. Um. The great players that he cultivated, Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki, 
Steph Curry encouraged the Warriors to draft Curry from Davidson. Um, it's it's just amazing. I will miss, I'll miss both of them because both of them are great players. And yet the NBA, we are stuck now with the garbage one and done players. You know, and, and such hacks as like Colin Sexton and um, I don't even know who's left on in the league. Jalen Brown, he's like talking about the plight of the black man. I'm like, just play basketball, you idiot. So, yeah, I will miss both of them. I will miss, I, I will miss Dirk. It's been a long time now. I'm glad I have a Dirk Nowitzki jersey. Um, and he will be missed. Yeah, Cuban, Cuban's got – I love the fact that Cuban got Larry Bird, Del Shrimp, Sean Kemp, Scottie Pippen. It's amazing that he got those guys to come to – Charles, Sir Charles, they were all there for the <laughs> game. And then I love the fact LeBron, Chris Paul, and Carmelo were there for D-Way's last game in Brooklyn. So if you want to ask about collusion in the NBA, I mean, look no forward in that. Um. It's amazing, isn't it? We'll take a break. Uh, we come back. We'll talk NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, and then also, you know, Flo's boy, Aaron Rodgers, back in the news for the wrong reasons or not. We'll find out. Watchradio.com. It's not good. Like Fanatic Radio. They stink. It's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Every day is filled with a million reasons to give. Every moment is an opportunity to send a smile. From birthdays to get well days, there's always a reason to send a smile with 1-800-Flowers.com. Millions of businesses count on Fiverr every day to get things done faster, better, and on budget. Fiverr.com is the world's largest marketplace for the professional and creative services you need to give your business a boost. Best of all, every service on Fiverr starts at just $5. Go to Fiverr.com now and discover how easy it is to find the exact service you need at the price you want. No bidding, no membership fees. Just browse, buy, done. Sign up today for free at Fiverr.com. Radio. I don't give a damn about no damn Drake Knight. It's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Fanatic Radio. This is my guard, Ben Florence. We are Fanatic Radio. We have the Millennial Show. This is the Jonas Brothers, by the way. This is our new song. Which I am, I have one person and one person to blame for my obsession. It's actually a good song. The Jonas Brothers are back, which we have no affiliation with them. But I will give an early thumbs down to the Mrs. Nally Costello, who got me goddamn sick. And then addicted to this song, it's one of those, you know, you have your guilty pleasure with, I think it was like, Katie, is it Katy Perry flow? Who's your guilty pleasure in music? Uh, well, you know, I haven't listened to Katy Perry a lot. Uh, it, I mean, maybe not as much as the recent stuff. I still kind of, you know, groove with some Pitbull, <laughs> especially some of that old, like, older. Yes. Yeah. 
like from like early like to that 2010s kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, pre, I haven't listened to the, the new Jonas Brothers, but that's pretty good stuff. But yeah, Katy Perry also guilty pleasure. No shame there. Yeah, that it's it is a I hate it because it's it's absolute you know bubblegum pop crap which I loathe. But that is a good. I was just on a song. A song called a "Song Called Sucker" by the Jonas Brothers. They're back, which I didn't even realize they were back. I was on the radio, and it's it's actually it's a good song. My Gardener approves. I makes me mad though because I'm it's it, I it's it stuck in my head. It was stuck in my head all day today. Uh, but um, but yeah, that that's that. Uh, we got we got more Fanatic Radio coming up. Uh, shout out to the fam, all of, all of, all of our uh, people who support us. Uh, as we see a near fight, which is, I'm watching the Frozen Four right now, only because the University of Denver is playing, and that is my father's alum. Nice. So they're losing three one to UMass. UMass, of course, is uh, I think like second seed in the country. They're probably going to win. Up 3-1 in the first. But the reason why I bring this up is your boy is going to the national championship game Saturday. Why? Because it is in Buffalo. Now, I was originally going to go because I was banking on tonight. If University of Denver is somehow, by the grace of God, win, then it would give me a greater reason to go see my dad's alumni play in the national championship game. That looks like it's not going to happen, but I called my aunt, who lives in Cleveland, shout because uh, they were going to originally meet me up there because my birthday is in a few days. So I thought it would be a great way to celebrate my birthday weekend, see the University of Denver play, some college hockey. But then I thought, I called her today, because I had the two days off from, opening, from, my, from my original event opening weekend. And I thought, screw it. If if I get these days off and this game, this NCAA tournament game is in Buffalo, I'm going to go see it regardless. I could care less he's in the finals. I want to go see some national championship hockey, which if that's the case, that would be the fourth different sport that I have witnessed a national championship for. And I've seen men's soccer. I've seen women's soccer. I have seen men's basketball. I've seen women's basketball. I've never seen college football national championship, but then I guess fifth, yeah, part of my fresh fifth different sport of a national championship game I've seen. So yeah, that's I'm going. It's my birthday weekend. I do whatever the hell I want. I'm going to Buffalo. I'm going to see some college hockey because it's only a few hours away. Because next year it's in Detroit, and I I don't want to go to Detroit because that's just a mess. Um, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Minnesota Duluth is in the. Is the whoever faces the winner of this game? Because I was originally, I was originally going to go to this game. And I thought, you know, going to Buffalo is such a hike. It's like two and a half hours. I ain't about that life. Um. So yeah, that's that. That's my plan. So who knows? But uh, but we get the fan, we get the fan mail, which we love, we hate. Uh, we talked about UVA. Thank you for the fan mail with that. We talked about UVA. It, it is one of the best success stories. So shout out to the Who's. Um, but we roll we roll forward with uh, thefnackradio@gmail.com. Thank you, uh, Social Pipes, Twitter, Facebook. We are alive and active. I am healthy. Thank you for those who are asking. Uh, I I can cure the cure. The beautiful thing is I can cure I can cure the danger even the dangerous of sicknesses. 
with over-the-counter meds, I encourage you to do that because if you take the antibiotics and the oxycodone, that's where you get addicted, and it's a mess. So, yeah. First one, though, elephant in the room, Slow's boy Rogers. You want to know, Ben, what are your thoughts on your boy taking shots? And a Bleacher Report article with Rogers called a smear attack. Well, you know, I, I I don't think anybody really expected him to come out and say, like, yes, everything is true, because there's a number of negative things about him in there. There's some po- there's also positive things in there that him and, of course, Coach Mike McCarthy, players, so on and so forth. So it's one of those things to where I'm not really surprised to see him kind of be a little more diplomatic about that. What's the truth? I mean, who really knows? I don't, you know, I, I have no reason. I thought the Bleacher Report story was great. I have no reason to doubt any of it. Uh, I'm sure it's very possible that some players may, some sources may have gotten carried away with some aspects. Who really knows? But, you know, I do love what he called, what he called the players that had criticized him and put their names to it, like Greg Jennings and like other, he called them irrelevant. I'm like, Greg Jennings is still kind of on TV. He's on Fox Sports 1. He also was a great player for the Packers for many years and was, you know, one of the great players of that Super Bowl team. So, I don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going for. I mean, I know what he's going for there. But, <laughs> you know, I'm not really surprised uh, that he's come out and said, like, this story was uh, misleading and what have you. And he's got to do what he's got to do. He's still got, hopefully, another championship to win coming soon. Mm. That's that positive thinking. What do you, Vanona, what do you think? Happened because uh, we love speculation on this show. We need we need your we need your full take of what do you think happened behind closed doors? Anything from like pre from like two thousand end of season two thousand seventeen to now. Where did it go wrong? Well, I think a lot of it had been going wrong for a while. I think that, and anybody that watched Packer games clear uh, uh, could see it clearly that the offensive system really never changed that much. Maybe uh, McCarthy changed some formation stuff in the season, but you still saw Rodgers. The offense was very inconsistent, which was crazy because you have Aaron Rodgers, and you'd see him like changing plays at the line, calling a lot of stuff himself. And there were times, especially early in the season last year, but even in the previous seasons, the Packers offensively looked very inconsistent, choppy, and a lot of times seemed overly reliant on Aaron Rodgers making something out of nothing. Now, a lot of times he's able to do that because he's that, uh, that kind of a player. But a lot of times he wasn't, especially later on. You know, and, you know, injuries caught up with him a little bit last season and had in recent years as well. So, but I think there definitely was, I mean, this idea that there weren't like tensions or, you know, they didn't have a, uh, a, a poor relationship between Rodgers and McCarthy. I, I, I just don't see how you can say that with a straight face. I think there clearly were a lot of tensions. Um, I don't, you know, I, I think McCarthy later on in his tenure became overrated as a head coach. It's like, yeah, you, you didn't win the Super Bowl. You have an really jacked, and the team continues to falter in the playoffs, and the coaching was became bad. 
So I don't think he was as bad. Like, you know, some of the things, like, oh, he's, like, you know, clueless, doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I thought some of that was a little excessive. But, like, some of the stuff, like, from his perspective, we're trying to go, ah, you know, things were going great, and I don't know why it fell apart as well. That kind of also uh, I don't really uh, accept on his end. So it was just clear there was a lot of tension. And I think one of the great things about the Bleacher Report story, which has not been made a lot of, uh, hay about is how Ted Thompson, who was previously the uh, the the, uh, the GM and president, who now is like an advisory role. Uh, you know, I hmm. love, a love the story of him like falling asleep in meetings. That's great. But he also was a guy yeah. to where he never did anything in free agency, and that's great when you have great drafts and you're uh, you know mining for gold and uh, bringing in talent. It's not great when draft picks are kind of falling apart. They're not contributing, at least to where the level that you want and the expectation is, and then guys like Jordy Nelson and Greg Jennings get older and then eventually move on. So I think that and kind of all this was kind of underrated in the fact that when McCarthy had a lot of talent and just a tremendous depth chart and a lot of receivers, everybody was on the same page and the offense was killing it, and then – that talent level started to dip as it went ebbs and flows on every single team uh, in the league. So I thought that was an important thing to know. And I think Ted Thompson, probably a nice guy, deserves uh, perhaps even more blame than he has been getting to this point. Yeah, because I'm with you with that. The Packers, the problem with them was had they caught the injury bug like four, like four or five years in a row. And otherwise, those are great Super Bowl caliber teams that never really lived up to their potential. And then when you have such a high-profile person like Rodgers, think of the Jordy Nelson trade. Yeah, Eddie Lacy was a hack. Ty Montgomery just quit. <laughs> um, people it, like the me in this 24-hour cycle of sports media, they notice everything. And then, of course, when the McCarthy-Rogers beef came public, that's the open Pandora's Oof. box, which is very sad. But I'm excited for the Packers. I love it, Rogers. You know, gives middle fingers to, to, to all the haters. And he's calling out some hack on Bleacher Report. Um, it makes me – it brings me joy. So I'm all for it. I think it's fantastic. It's, it's, just, a sort of, it's just a sort of wake-up call we all need. Uh, which is great because we love how we have, we have Packers news in the middle of April. Uh, is real for it. <laughs> the Masters is this week. Will we will be will we be invested? Round one has already happened. Um, what do we expect to come? Tiger is in the mix, but uh, so is Phil, and so is everyone else. Will you be fully engulfed in Masters this weekend? Uh, I hope so. I will be working, and so it should be a nice distraction from my work. You know, one of these things, especially in, in the weekdays, it's always a hit and miss. Like today when the Masters coverage was on, I really had not been paying attention at all. And because, you know, this came at a, the busy point of the day, and probably a similar thing will happen tomorrow. But always love the Masters. That's when you really know spring is uh, coming into form and coming together, is that when the Masters commences, and especially that weekend of the Masters, is always just so much fun. So, yeah, I plan to get into it over the weekend. I hope so. I'll definitely watch it. 
And not like I'll be, I won't be watching Fox News there because, of course, I will. I always do. But the Masters is always can't miss. And this year should be another good tournament. When you look at the leaderboard, solid start. We'll see how the uh, the players and the blue chips uh, carry on. Who's your, who's your favorite to win? Uh, I'm going to go with, and I have no idea what he did today. I'm going to go with Jordan Spieth, only because Jordan Spieth, mm. always great at the Masters. He really seems to uh, play very well at the course. It brings the best out in him. And, I, again, I don't know where he's at on the leaderboard. Uh, if he's not in the mix, then I'll look like a goofball. Where's Jordan Spieth? Jordan Spieth is not. Uh, where is he? Is he, he Jordan trailer. Spieth is, uh, he is at plus three, so he's nine shots off the lead. So, um, yeah, I think that probably should conclude my golf analysis. <laughs> I will say this. I support him to the day he dies, fresh off his tax evasion and his scumbagginess. Phil, ever since he beat Tiger in that god-awful bet of a million bucks, Phil is a new man. He's in the hunt. Uh, He is the guy. He's going to win. He's in the mix. It's either that or just some rando, which we hate, Um, because that's the worst. But yeah, do not sleep on Lefty. Because he's my boy. Because he's left handed as, as much as much as I am as well. Um as we as we as we close as we close out with as we close out with fan mail. Mick Cronin to UCLA, Steve Alford returns back to the mid majors in Nevada, he's head coaching hires, Calipari lifetime contract. Does it move the needle? Do we care? Do we not care? The time at the show, fans want to know. <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned, uh, I'll, I'll start with Cal Parry. I love the whole, well, first off, the UCLA coaching search was a complete mess. They had a jump start on everybody. Yeah. And they never really seemed to solidify on key targets. Guy, you know, they, they tried to lure Cal Parry by offering him less money, which I don't know how that works. Uh, and then the other guys were in the mix, and then nobody really seemed to know where they were going for. And it wasn't really a great coaching uh, carousel crop to begin with. Like, Rick Barnes got into the mix, and everybody was like, what? And so that uh, – who knows how serious that was. They end up with Mick Cronin, which I didn't really think Mick Cronin was going to leave Cincinnati. And UCLA is one of those jobs where they should be an elite job, but they just haven't been because – the Howland years were fine. They kind of stagnated at the end, but I think they may have rushed fire him, especially when you brought in Alford, who, yes, did get to a sweet 16, but always had talent, which is, but still was just a complete mess. How he got a job, you know, it's funny. Apparently he was allegedly in the mix for the Arkansas job, which would have been very funny, which ended up going into Eric Musselman, who then he is replacing at Nevada. And he got a 10-year g- deal. He wasn't even he, – he had a mediocre run in Iowa. When you look at it, his run in New Mexico really wasn't that great, especially with some of the guys he had, including Danny Granger. And so mm. and he flopped at UCLA. So I don't know how that is. Mick Cronin is a good coach. He's a better hire than Barnes would have been. I'm sure UCLA fans didn't won't love his coaching style. 
And I, again, didn't really think he would leave Cincinnati. He's a Cincinnati guy, Cincinnati grad, uh, I believe. Yes. And, but he's a really good coach. He developed the talent well. If he could recruit, they could win games. And as we know, the Pac-12 is atrocious right now, uh, basketball-wise. So I think it's a solid hire, but it just shows how much of a mess. But, like, they tried to get Calipari for less money. There's no reason for Calipari to ever leave Kentucky. He can he's always <laughs> going to recruit well there. They got great facilities. Even though Rupp is really is pretty old, like 40 years old, mm-hmm. and unless he's getting an NBA job, there's no reason for him to leave. You really can't get a better job than Kentucky right now. And it's not like he's going to leave for Duke. And, and Kentucky, you could probably argue is a better job than Duke because. It's not, that's the ultimate thing with Duke is that the only guy that's ever won huge at Duke is Krzyzewski and made it this iconic program. Before, it was a good program, mind you, but it wasn't like what it is now. Kentucky always has been a great program. So that's, you know, the, the Calipari stuff, you know, you got Musselman. I like Musselman. The team kind of fell apart down the stretch uh, in, this, uh, in, the, in the tournament and then the Mountain West, but – I think Musselman can coach, and for a guy that's been around for a while, he's only like 45. Nate Oates, uh, we mm. talked about him going to Alabama. No real geographic fit, just like Musselman in Arkansas, but Oates can coach yes. in a lot of games at Buffalo. And then now we got the whole St. John's debacle with uh, Chris Mullen, uh, where there was some kind they of recruiting thing, and Mullen really was not doing much work, which isn't surprising. He had no coaching experience at all. So it was just like, hey, let's hire our guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerry Stackhouse going to Vandy. Yeah, it's like because there, that was another bizarre coaching search. Who, I mean, Stackhouse maybe can recruit. I don't know if he'll be like Penny Hardaway because Penny Hardaway was a high school coach and an AAU coach, so you know he's going to be able to get players. Jerry Stackhouse, successful G League coach, an NBA assistant, mm-hmm. but. A little odd higher end, even though the team was atrocious this year. They lost their key guy, Vanderbilt, and Bryce Drew had a good recruiting class coming in, but just that was a mess. And uh, and then, you know, you got the St. John's thing. People wonder if Bobby Hurley's going to be in the mix for that job, leave Arizona State. And meanwhile, Rick Pitino is still trying to attach himself to every single coaching hire you can find, every coaching job you can yeah. find. He's coaching uh, in Greece. Eventually, somebody, I think, will take a shot at him. But he's also, you know, on the wrong side of 60. He, pre- he may get a show cause, <laughs> uh, which, I, you know, like what Bruce Pearl had. And Bruce Pearl is much younger than he is. So, who knows? Right. It's been, a, it's been an odd coaching carousel, to say the least. We love it. It's like, it's like the awful quarterbacks going to uh, NFL teams. Now, I think Steve Alford is a good coach. I unfortunately at UCLA he was he was the scapegoat with the whole monster dumpster fire of the Lonzo Ball family. He's had those he was good and then had those clowns and that family not come over come about. He probably still have this job at UCLA. But then you got but then you got the nonsense of like, you know, like Will Walton wanted to get like Obama to coach. It's like what is going on? <laughs> UCLA, it's funny. Is Nick Cronin is a great coach because he can mo- he can mm. motivate. Dare I say it, the nerdy wells of the world. 
And if you can get guys in Cincinnati to buy into his system, he's going to get guys from L.A. Which it makes it even better is Cronin's got a clean slate. He has the Pac-12. It's such a mess. Uh, but this is the biggest. This probably this is bigger city, bigger recruiting pool that he's got to motivate. You know, a bunch of morons to play UCLA. Um, Musselman going to Arkansas is laughable. I don't understand why. If Stackhouse going to Vandy. The SEC is garbage. It's not. It's not good basketball. Other than Charles Barkley, name one good player. That's in, uh, to dig out Charles Barkley in Kentucky, and Shaq, and Pistol Pete. Name one good player that's come out of the SEC and has actually had a substantial career. I mean, you got Bobby Portis with the Bulls, and he's he's garbage. So <laughs> that, that, that team, that, that conference is a bunch of hacks. Players are, are rubbish. You know, you got. Like the entire starting five of LSU is declaring for the draft. I hope none of them get drafted in the top ten because they will be they'll all be the greatest G League players in the world. So I don't see where where that's coming from. Um, yeah, we love we love the head coaching carousel. We love those just complete head scratches. I love those people for going mm-hmm. back to Nevada. He's back to the Mountain West. Nevada's going to be great now. They're going to be they're going to win the conference championship. They're going to the tournament. You heard it from here first. Um, but, yeah, it's like, yeah. Yeah, I know it's not Cronin with Cincinnati either. He's got it made. Just, just beat UConn, Wichita State, um, Houston, and go to the NCAA tournament. That's all you need. UCLA, it's the conference of champions. Yeah, it's everything. Who cares, right? Ugh. Cal Bari, I love that you feel like gives him that awful contract, but you feel like gives him like a lifetime con- Kentucky gives him a lifetime contract. Do we hate Cal Bari? He's 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 a hack. He's ruined college basketball. Um, we love college basketball. We're sad it's over. But now we have now we have thumbs up, thumbs down. So there's this. You cannot be serious. But it's time for thumbs up, thumbs down. That's right. What was good? What was bad? What was sports? Life in general, I mean, because so much else has happened. We just went on a rant about college basketball, and that's over. So, Flo, if you can care to lead us off, what else has happened in the life of in Florence? i got to say, though, wait, wait, before you start. <laughs> I want to give you a, a shout-out. Um, yeah. For, for some great Instagram story content when you were at that bar in Chinatown. Hilariously singing along with the band with the proclaimers of about five thousand miles. Love it. <laughs> Thank you for that. So I got two NBA stories we're gonna start my thumbs down with. We'll get to the bigger one uh second. Yes. But first we're gonna to go to Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce on on T V isn't great. But he's a good uh, he's a good take guy, I guess. And, but he, he's very salty. Like you remember the whole beef he had with Isaiah Thomas. Like it was going to be Paul Pierce night, but it was also it also happened to be Isaiah Thomas's return, and so they're going to show a video at some point. And Paul Pierce was like, "No, we're not going to do that. It's my night." And everybody dunked on him because he was freaking stupid and he was being a child. But yep, you know. Paul Pierce, you know, we're celebrating Dwayne Wade. 
and where, you know, it's, as we talked about earlier, you know, Paul Pierce says he had a better career than Dwayne Wade. Quote, that's easy. You know, here's what he said. That's easy. I could give you off the bat. That's me. If you give me Shaq, if you give me LeBron, if you give me these guys early in my career, when I was 24 years old, you give me Shaq when I was 25, give me LeBron. I'd be sitting on five or six championships easy. I played 10 years with who? With who? And it's like, even if that were true or not, I, Wade is not great just because he won the title. He was the best team on that first championship team, as we talked about earlier. I mean, you can look at it down the line. Paul Pierce is incredibly salty about this shit. I don't understand why. <laughs> Paul Pierce was a great NBA player. He's a Hall of Famer. He won a title. I mean, what more could he ask for? <laughs> but he always like, ah, oh, well, you know, I had a better career than Wade. Like, no, you didn't. Not really by any metric, not by stats. Not by this kind of anecdotal shit. I mean, you know, he's, he's look. I guarantee Paul Pierce thinks he's like one of the probably one of like top twenty, top twenty five players of all time. And this whole argument where I had a better know. career because he played with better teammates that doesn't make any sense either. So Paul Pierce is just completely embarrassing himself again with his just and horrible. Did, and did he say? Didn't he say the other day? He said the other day. He, we got to get him off TV because he's a cancer in television. He said something that he had, a, he had like a better jump shot than he's a better jump shooter than Clay Thompson. And I'm like, are you kidding me, man? Clay like, <laughs> Thompson is one of the most efficient right. shooters I have ever seen in my life. Like, we love the truth, but we hate the truth. Yeah. I, <laughs> the truth really isn't that great on TV. He gives you a lot of hot takes. And he's, he's a good rapport. Beatles great, and we love Chauncey. And Chauncey would be like, dude, like kind of like that Jonah Hill, uh, like, you know, pull the plug. Uh, Jeff, he's like, dude, come on, you're wrong. <laughs> Jalen will track. Yeah. Like, throw him in, it'd be great. Uh, so thumbs down to Paul Pierce. Bigger thumbs down to Magic Johnson. Now, Magic Johnson mm. came in a couple years ago. They named him the president of the team. And a lot of people thought, this is great because Magic Johnson's such a Laker legend, beloved guy. You know, he was a, you know, a trash coach, and then he decided, I don't want to coach anymore, so we just quit. Uh, you know, really was a, a, a terrible personnel guy whose only thing was, hey, I, brought, I saw LeBron in L.A. Like, dude, we're pretty certain LeBron was going to go to L.A. based on how it happened, the fact it did happen, regardless. He built a horrible team around him and was never liked Luke Walton from the get-go. And then basically his whole thing was like he did this press conference. At no point did he <laughs> tell Jeannie Buss. He's telling, talking about how, you know, Jeannie Buss is his sister and he loves her. He, he thinks she's family. So I'm not going to tell her that I'm leaving and, and going to quit and just kind of quit in this, like, long, rambling press conference. He's like, well, you know what? You know what? I, you know what? I, if I want to work with Ben Simmons, like I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to tweet at players and say, "Great job!" And it's like, first off, you could tweet at players if you want. You're not going to get fined for that. You're technically not supposed to, but I'm sure the league would be like, uh, "Whatever." But it's just like Magic Johnson was clear. Like I don't, I did not want to do the work. He had no idea what running a personnel operation uh, <laughs> was like. He had no idea. He thought he could, you know, just kind of coast through it. 
and not do any work yeah. and not have, you know, you, these guys got to go scout and, like, you know, in gyms across Europe and, you know, be watching film and these guys get after it. You know, your R.C. Bufers and your Sam Prestes and your Angels and going mm. down the line. My and, boy, my boy, Johnny Nelson. Exactly. Like, you know, those guys, they're lifers. And Magic just wasn't willing to do that. And then he was like me and Palenka, the GM. It was kind of a forced marriage. And I was like, that's not how you sold it when you came together. You were like, this is my guy. So, <laughs> Jimmy Buss, probably better at her job than her brother Jim Buss was after Jerry Buss died. But she's kind of on thin ice. And says like, is she actually a good owner or not? But what a dis- disaster. Mm. And he was like, eh, you know what? I wanted to fire Luke, but he didn't like Luke, so I'm just going to quit. On a- basically, he basically quit his job on whim. <laughs> Who does that? I mean, <laughs> and it's like, it's still magic. He's still a beloved guy. He's basically like begging for like an NBA, like ESPN job. And who knows? You'll probably end up on ESPN because he's still Magic Johnson. But. <laughs> I mean, what a train wreck. It just, you know, a lost two years, and he's like, you know, I think we're in a better position now, you know, to really win. It's like, I'm not sure if they're going to get any of these top free agents in the offseason. you got a bunch of guys on the roster, talented guys, but do we really know, like, are they going to be stars or really good players? You know, like, you're lots of balls, you're uh, uh, Brandon Ingrams, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, they made some terrible decisions, like the 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 uh, the, uh, the, the, the the trade for Mike Moscato. They gave it the big guy, a Zubac trade. I mean, and so it's just a, a total disaster. Yeah. And Magic was like, "Yeah, I don't want to do this." So I, you know, thumbs down to Magic because that's just horrible. I mean, come on. Is that all right? Um, yeah. Oh, I thought you, I thought you were gonna say something. <laughs> so, I guess not. No, he quit. Yeah, I mean he quit. I mean, just like that. He's quit. He's done. I'm done. Quit. So the Lakers just continue to be a total train wreck, and uh, and again they have LeBron. Like it wasn't supposed to be like this. They're supposed to get a second guy, but you know instead of trying to sign Cousins, they sign you know McGee and they sign Lance Stevenson and built a clown roster that fell apart. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Right. LeBron got hurt, yeah. so then they fell apart. So, totally. Speaking of a, and this is going to tie in nicely now. I just realized for my thumbs up. One of the great Magic Johnson trades we talked about was the D'Angelo Russell trade, where they were trying to get rid of, um, they were trying to get rid of the the, the horrible Mozgov contract. And they, I think mm. they, like, the story, uh, I, I've heard a, a variation of this, but it was like they wanted to trade right straight up for Brook Lopez who had expiring. And, and that's where, like, no. And then somehow, like, D'Angelo Russell got involved. Like, Magic didn't like D'Angelo Russell and was pretty open about it. D'Angelo Russell had been a very messy first two years. The rookie year was a mess because Byron Scott did a horrible job. And the second year wasn't great either. You have the whole Nick Young thing. But still, this is two years into this guy's career. He's like 20 years old. He was the number two draft pick, and Magic was like basically throwing him in as a way to get rid of a contract. Now, D'Angelo Russell, thumbs up to him, and thumbs up to my Brooklyn Nets to where it's crazy. It's Mm. only been like three, four years for the Nets to have been in the playoffs. 
for what the Nets have gone through after, you know, the, the famous Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett trade, which set the Celtics off, and although they got their own issues, but gave them all these top-tier draft picks for just an ancient plotting Kevin Garnett in, an age, in uh, a very aging Paul Pierce to come back after one of the worst trades in NBA history with not much in terms of lottery draft picks. And a lot of guys, you know, you take a shot. You took the flyer on Russell. Uh, you picked up Dinwiddie off the scrap. Joe Harris got it for cheap. Uh, Keurig, you know, yeah. Rodian Keurig. Three-point shooting uh, champion, Joe terrific Harris. player. Yeah, and uh, Keurig was uh, terrific. And then you developed Jared Allen. You're bringing Jared Dudley. Uh, you got a lot of really fun players on this team. They're above 500, and they're back in the playoffs. The sixth seed, that's the takeout. We got a little household rivalry with Tyrese. And uh, it's filled up with the 76ers. But this is one of those years where I was thinking, I looked at this Eastern Conference, I was like, the Nets should make the playoffs. They should be around 500, make the playoffs, maybe the 7 or 8 team, because this conference looks terrible. And they got off to a hard yeah. start, but they had a really hot run in December, turned the calendar, and it's been a, and it's a really fun team. Russell blossomed into an all-star. Dinwiddie's been great. A lot of key pieces. Great guys, really fun team to watch. A very intrigued. They took the season series against the Sixers, so you never know. Although I, I would be very shocked if they took out the Sixers, but it should be very fun. If you're a Nets fan like myself, it's been a very fun season, and we're very optimistic for the future to come. That's what I got. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. That that's probably the greatest thumbs up, thumbs down that, that you've produced. That has nothing to that had nothing to do with with like we we were straight up sports. That's fantastic. Where do I where do I stand with this now? Um, <laughs> wow, thumbs up, thumbs up to the city of Buffalo. Uh, that's where I'll be tomorrow. I mean, that's where I'll be Friday night, Saturday, Frozen Four. It'd be great to go back um, for different reasons. Because last time I was there was two weekends ago. When I nearly like, killed myself, so Oof. glad I'm going with a bit with a better head on my shoulders. Meet my aunt and uncle up there, celebrating birthday weekend, birthday weekend in style because next weekend is Easter, and so of course you know, man upstairs gets that week. I can't celebrate birthday week after. <laughs> thumbs up to thumbs up to family that's willing to hang out with me. Um. Thumbs up to the great Sydney Lewis Black, as I mentioned earlier. She is now director of the, uh, the Corning Children's Development Center. Had lunch with her today because I had a day off, one of my few days off from opening weekend. It was great. She gave me a tour of the facility. Uh, she seems happier. She seems just better off out of the cesspool. That is uh, the job that I, the company I work for. She seems a million times better. And is already recruiting me to do volunteer work, which is great. She's been on the job for three three days. Uh, it was great to get lunch with her. Completely off the cuff. Definitely, definitely, inadvertently one of my like one of my mentors in life. I never would have guessed that, but she's always there for life advice, a potential shoulder to cry on, laugh at my jokes. Who knows? We give her a thumbs up because she's crushing it. Um. Let's see. Thumbs up to my brother, John Gardner. Team is still alive in the UIL Texas High School Soccer Playoffs. 6A. I don't know how. 
I watched this team play back in December, and they looked awful. Yet this team is in the Elite Eight, and it went away from the state semifinals. So best of luck to Drake Jesuit. I don't know again. I don't know how it's happened, but somehow it's happened. You know what they're like? They're like they're like they're like I don't even say they're like Gonzaga. They are like Gonzaga. They're they're always they're a team like you never know how good they are, and then they make the tournament, and then. It's like they go as you know, they go as, as the team goes. It could be they'd be really good, they could get knocked out of the first round, or they could run the table and do really well. The thumbs the thumbs up makes my brother look good. The fact that they have made other than that, other than the best team he had, his very first year got bounced out of the playoffs in the first round. They have made like the Elite Eight the last like three seasons. It's it's fantastic just how sporadic and unpredictable his team is. So we wish him the best. Thumbs up. Uh, the Jets signed Ty Montgomery, which is fantastic. Said he still has a job. Uh, thumbs down to the New York Jets. I have no affiliation with the team other than I hate Sam Darnold and uh, anyone affiliated with that football club. But they changed their jerseys. Now you just immediately shat on 60 years of history by making stupid jerseys that look like North Texas's college football or high school jerseys. So that's a thumbs down. Because I, there's no need for a change. Joe Namath is the only reason why that franchise is relevant, uh, and they it's do a complete disservice by making him a laughing stock. Thumbs down, thumbs down to the Jets. I hope they go 0 and 16. Is they're bad. That's, <laughs> that's pretty much it. So I mean, thumbs up, thumbs down. I don't know. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up to my boss giving me the days off. I had a, yeah. I had a days off. I didn't have days off. Uh, God, I haven't taken any days off this year. First days off of the year comes in April. And I woke up, other than an eye, eye doctor appointment I had, I had no idea what to do with myself. I am so paranoid what's going to happen tomorrow. Because I'm just going to wake up with nothing to do. I'm just going to, like, because I, I got to eventually make my way up to Buffalo. But that's, you know, it's like a two-and-a-half-hour trip. I could probably leave at, like, five get there like seven or eight but I but before that I have no idea what to do because all my grocery shopping and errands I do are on the weekend and all my you know excessive drinking and stuff is Friday nights are on the weekend so I don't think I've had a complete week of nothing in a month and I and my whole body clock my health is probably just destroyed because all I've eaten is, like, junk food and, and pills. So pray for me as I figure out what the hell I'm doing with my life. But I'm not going to have, like, a normal week or weekend until probably about May. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's my life I live with. Um. Ah, that's it. Thumbs up to Kevin. Thumbs up to Kevin Hart and Netflix. Uh, he has a new Netflix special. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm excited to watch it because I watched Laugh at My Pain the other night, and that was his like that was that was his, what I I consider his greatest stand-up special ever. Uh, which he uttered the phrase, "You don't learn today. You don't learn. You don't learn today." All right, all right, all right. That is 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 my favorite. Um. 
So yeah, I'm excited to see his new, uh, his new, his new special. Uh, and then again, a thumbs up to me. I will close with a thumbs up to me. I turn 27 next week on the 16th, so I give a pre, I give a pre thank you for all the birthday wishes. I'm not gonna be a hack. It's just gonna, you know, pimp myself out on Facebook. I'm not a degenerate. But thank you for those who uh, wish me happy birthday. I, I thank mm. you in advance because I'm a very busy man and I don't have time to do that. So yeah, but shout, but shout out as I mentioned, shout out to CLB, shout out to my brother, uh, shout out to me. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I am alive. I'm well. I'm kicking it. Yeah. Signed a lease. I read my lease, so I'm not leaving for. Uh, so you know, knock on wood, nothing another job comes up. I'm not leaving for another year. More adventures from upstate. Um, that's pretty much it. Might as well, might as well, end, might as well end the show with uh, with our dignity intact. Thanks to all, thanks to all who support <laughs> us. I will have snaps from this from birthday weekend. I am very excited. Drunk will be my inebriated state. So stay tuned. For all of us, the Tori Stone Florence, I'm Mike Gardner. So long. See you next time.